Hi, welcome back to the Warwickshire Cricket Board podcast. We've got two very special guests on today's episode in Oliver Hannandolby and Liam Norwell from Warwickshire County Cricket Club who are going to be taking us through the, the life of a, a fast bowler, uh, their routes into professional cricket and some advice for coaches, younger players and aspiring fast bowlers. So it's a really, really good listen and I would um, encourage any junior junior players, coaches, um, anybody that has got an interest in, in bowling um, and hearing two good blokes talk about their experiences. So I hope you enjoy and see you soon. Okay, so Liam, Ollie, thanks very much for coming on the Cricket Board podcast. No problem at all, thanks for having us. Great to have you on. Really looking forward to chatting um, and getting into some detail about fast bowling and hearing hopefully a few stories about some routines of fast bowlers and some weird fast bowlers you've played with and played against and um, any of those stories. But firstly, how are you both doing in lockdown? Lots of dog walking as well. Yeah, lots of dog walking. You're right. Toby's loving it. What about your past? Yeah, pretty similar to be honest. Um, I've just kind of used my morning. I dropped my little boy's nursery and I run home and just try and train from there, you know. Uh, I find it quite hard to motivate myself a couple lads around, so it's just finding ways to get myself to get up and get going um, without the competition or running with the other boys. But... Yeah, it's, it's what it is. It's a strange time at the moment, a strange world. So um, hopefully we can get back to some kind of normality very soon. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, so we're going to talk about being a fast bowler. Um, now, I, I don't know what you guys class as fast bowling, but I class anything over kind of 65 mile an hour as quite fast. <laughs> so oh, I've just, just snuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, we'll talk a little bit about kind of your journeys into professional cricket and then your journeys to Warwickshire and then we'll go through a little bit of stuff that could help coaches, players, clubs, club cricketers um, and anybody else basically with an in, interest in fast bowling. So um, the first question to you guys, whoever wants to start, you guys can choose who, uh, whoever wants to. How and where did you start playing and when, how old were you, and what club was it? Yeah, so uh, me, um, I couldn't really tell you where I started. I always, always like sat there in the summer going watch that level. And I can remember being pretty young with my plastic bat and ball and sidelines also in play, so I probably got my love for cricket just watching him. Um, and then I remember my first few games were for Plymouth under nines or tens. And I was peeing wicket because I wasn't going to bowl, I wasn't going to bat, so I just wanted to get in the team somehow. And then we moved down to Cornwall, and I basically started playing a lot of cricket because of crick cricket, you know, being out of school. And it was fun just to do bats and orange balls, try and whack it as far as I could. And those things when you're what, 10, when you're running, you feel like you're bowling 100 miles an hour, and 
it was just a lot of fun. So it basically started as watch my dad, a bit of fun with mates, and then because I enjoyed that, uh, my dad took me to his pretty club, Red Roof, where I joined under tens. And it just went from there, really. Uh, and then just went for the age groups there until I started playing. I had a cricket at 14, I think. Oh, fair enough. When did you realise that you could bowl? Um, probably only 12, 13. Uh, so you were wiki keeper for two years before that? Uh, so I was kind of just your, your builder. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Cheeky shout so, out. So yeah, it was quite a 12, 13 years like grow, grow. And then as I grew, I started getting a bit quicker. I went from, like I said, being the spare man in the 11s to getting into corner of the 12s in about a year just because I grew into my body. And I suddenly went from, oh, I couldn't tell you how to pace pretty slowly to decent pace for that age. So I kind of went from there. Uh, and then, like I said, I started playing out quicker around 14. Nice. Ollie? Uh, very similar. I mean, my, my dad, my cousin, my uncle, they all played in and around Halifax. So I spent, spent a lot of Saturdays down at great clubs, you know, football, cricket, riding your bike around the boundary. It was all, all great fun. And then I think probably quite a usual story. I think around 40, 45, my dad got a bit too tired, got a bit um, got, sick, got sick of using uh, deep heat on a Saturday morning. So he retired. So then I, I probably, because he, he wasn't playing, we weren't going out to great clubs. So, you know, it was a bit of a gap from maybe four years old to about ten years old when I started going down to the Greek Club again just because it was something to do on a Saturday with my mom and sister. Um, my cousin played down at the local club. Um, so it started from there really. So I was about ten years old actually when I started sort of going down to training on a Sunday morning at Copley Greek Club in Halifax. I started taking it seriously. And it much like I was absolutely rubbish to start with, like terrible. Did you keep um, as well or not? No, I never a keeper. You know, there might be a one one game a year where there's like dad versus lads that I play, and I'm going to be being absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Um, but then obviously you're you improved slightly, and I was actually a, um, I was actually probably more batter to start with. You know, I used to open the bat in, in again pairs cricket. Um, but I used to love it so much. I was literally down at the cricket club every single night. It was the under 12s playing. It was the under 15s, 17s. I just go watch everything, and it was. Um, First team adult nets were on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. It used to be a middle practice with no net in the middle. So I was like, well, I'll get involved in this. So that's where I started bowling, really. So I was like, well, get involved. The only thing I'm going to do is bowl. There's then a bowl at all the adults. And if I, if I bowled a good ball, a complex wedge between two railway tracks, hmm. if I bowled a good ball, it didn't go up to one of the railway tracks. <laughs> so that, that got me a good ball if it stayed in the field. So that's just literally where my bowling started. Yeah. these adults who were trying to whack me all on the ground and it, yeah like fastest that I played adult cricket like 13, 14 something like that which went on from there really yeah so how did you guys end up at Warwickshire so you started at club cricket at 14 and then you took different routes didn't you with counties yeah so myself um, like I said I started adult cricket at 14 got to come with the 12s then uh, got dropped for a few years then got back in the other 15s um, and then to do with rugby as well, I really started to bulk up and muscle up, and kind of from about 15 to 17, I got on quite a lot of pace and muscle. I went from playing adult third team to first team in over a winter, and then from there, um, I was playing for Cornwall 17s. Uh, I almost didn't go, so I didn't enjoy the year before, so I almost didn't play, but uh, 
I just did last minute and went to play against uh, Wiltshire. And funnily enough, Craig Miles, who now plays for Wiltshire as well, was playing for Wiltshire. Okay. And I took five for forty something, twenty overs in a two-day game. And I just give, give it a business card at the end of the day. Someone, Bond Coach Gosford, just said, uh, "Give me a call if you fancy having a little trial with our academy." I took it back home to um, Cornwall to my coach Peter Bond, who is the West of England coach. Uh, I never played any of that, but I was very lucky to have at my school West of England coach, and he'd already made had contact with them. And the following Sunday, I had an academy game. I didn't do anything special. I rocked up. Uh, on my back 10 or 11 they put me in at 3 just to see if I had the bottom to do it uh, I got 1 or 2 sky one straight away and I bowled 5 overs didn't get, I think I might have got 1 wicket and got hit a bit but they just said to me at the end of it we like what we see do you fancy spending 6 weeks with us so that was the summer of 2009 uh, got given an academy place for that winter which kind of came out of the blue uh, I thought it was just going to be a 6 week thing and then yeah, you had your final up you go then from there, I had six months in the academy and I got offered a two-year deal. It's just one of those things, I got given the opportunity and I just, I threw up and at it. I kind of dropped, no, I didn't drop out my A-levels, but I didn't really turn up a huge amount. I just threw everything up in cricket. So I thought, I've got a chance to redo my A-levels. I haven't got probably another chance to get a cricket contract. And luckily, it's still going for me. Uh, yeah. I, had eight, <laughs> I had nine great years of Gloucestershire from signing in 2010 to 2000, or well, not eight years, nine seasons to 2018. And I just wanted a new challenge, to be honest. Um, I was in my contact year, so I had to look around. And when Warwickshire were interested, getting the opportunity to play at Edgbaston, um, Test Match Ground, one of the most historic counties in the country, and working with a fast bond coach like Popwell, which I just thought, if you said he got to, really. Um, so me and my wife up sticks and came to Birmingham. Nice. <laughs> How do you like Birmingham compared to Gloucester? Uh, I like it a lot. Um, it's very different because Gloucester you're based in Bristol so you're in the middle of a big city which is similar here but I've, I've you got to be careful here haven't you I, I, I <laughs> what I like about Bristol was the coffee shop scene I'm a big coffee person okay. I'm not a huge fan of the Birmingham coffee shop scene at the moment there's a few good ones but I haven't found the quantity of standard of Bristol Oh, okay. well, I'll tag in like Birmingham coffee or something in the in the Twitter, and we'll see what we get. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose quite similar, really. I um, I was obviously brought up in Yorkshire, and it was a, I'd say a school teacher who sent me for a trial. I was the only bloke at my school who was a bit interested in cricket. He used to get a bit of stick for playing cricket, and it was a school teacher who um, who uh, you know, got a letter through from Yorkshire saying. Um, there's a trial coming up if you fancy putting your name forward for it and I was the only kid at school who played cricket so they put my name in for it and I got given given an opportunity to have the trial got through and ended up playing for the, the under 15 B team and then um, sort of worked my own player much like past as soon as that I'd never thought about playing cricket for a living I just loved going out to Copland on a Saturday I loved it and then this opportunity arose where you know Yorkshire came sniffing type of thing and I was just like, geez, I've got to throw everything at this. Mm. And straight away, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a little carrots dangling in front of you. You know, I'm in the B team. I'm thinking, well, I want to get in the A team. And then once you're in the A team, you're thinking, well, I want to, there's, a, there's an academy and you want a scholarship. And then once you've got a scholarship, you want to be a, an academy contract player. And then once you're an academy contract player, you want to be a pro. So it's just always this, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, much like Pastor said, I just absolutely threw myself at it. Uh, and luckily, luckily got signed on the books at Yorkshire. Um, had a 
great time in Yorkshire. You know, I was there from 2000, like age group cricket from like 2004 until I left in 2012. So I kind of lost eight years, similar to Pastor. Um, great time there, but just I just I, I wasn't going to play any more cricket at Yorkshire. Basically, um, they made signings and made great bowlers at time, like Liam Plunkett, Jack Brooks, Brian Sidebottom come back. You know, all these fantastic bowlers. Um, I was just not going to play any cricket at all. You know, they pretty much told me as, as much. So I, 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 I rang around a few counties to see if anyone was interested. And luckily, luckily Graham Welsh called back and said, "Yeah, come down and have a bowl with us. Get involved with the, um, the bowling squad." In you know, it, it was a winter. It was like February that time. And luckily, it went well, and you know, Dougie Brown and uh, Pop decided to sign me, and you know, it went from there. So very lucky to, very lucky that Pop sort of gave me a chance and then Dougie signed me, so yeah, really lucky. Lovely. You're both not doing too badly at Warwickshire so far, alright, so. It's alright, it's gone alright. It's been a good, good few years. Long may it continue. Uh, so I'm keen to get into kind of match preparation. So I'm thinking more for younger bowlers, club cricketers, um, what kind of routines that they can get into before games, um, which probably doesn't involve a curry and a few beers at the local the night before so um, something that may help a little bit so when, when does your kind of match day prep start um, whether it be a T20 or a, a four day game um, when does it start and how kind of intense is it and do you have your own little rituals that you go through do you want to go past yeah go for it um, so I was four day cricket four day cricket is generally the day before you start maybe two days on a big game, but generally we start day before. We meet as a team for analysis. Uh, so we have it up on the big screen, we go through their batters. Um, if anyone in the room's got insight into it, then we have a chat. So, for example, during the Gloss game, when the lads played Gloss, I kind of, me and Craig, have a take the meeting because obviously we used to play for them. Um, we knew players. So you could just kind of feed off the room, see who's got a bit of insight into other teams, uh, talk about plans. To be honest, plans don't very rarely go away from him on top of Boston, but people do have uh, the old weakness or susceptible to a bouncer or something along those lines. So it's just kind of just refreshing yourself, probably playing against them before, but these are key points. Then go out and train. Um, if I'm at home, uh, I, I know Edge pretty well now, so I wouldn't do as much as I would at the away game. So at home, I'd probably have a little bowl on the nets, bowl for me, try and bowl for me at end, just a little bit, uh, just on the ball round once or twice, and then I'm pretty happy. If I'm at an away game, especially to ground, I don't know too much. I'm not too fast about bowling the nets, I'll get out of the middle and I want to bowl from both ends to learn the ground and understand what the ground's going to be like. So, uh, for example, the last game of this year, we played it for Morgan, both ends were pretty, pretty solid, but both felt very different, so you have to get used to it. Um, so in the mornings I was really trying to work out which end and my run up to each end and I end up attacking one end more than the other just uh, just for feel. So for me it's a big thing at a away game to get out there and bowl from multiple air, both ends and learn the ground. Um, and then that's pretty much it really. The night before I might have a look through previous scorecards and stuff and just see if there's any trends and dismissals but that would have, should have really been brought up in the analysis if there is anything. Um, and apart from that, I occasionally might message someone from another county if they play against them recently. Um, what's this I'd like, what's that to play against kind of thing. 
Um, but again, that's only if it's a big player for them or someone I've not really come across, just to try and get a bit of an idea of him. And then moving on to the game, I just try and stay as relaxed as possible, really. Uh, I'm quite a nervous person, so I don't really sit still too much. Uh, at a dish at Edge we're very lucky we get breakfast and everything provided, so getting quite early for breakfast, grab a coffee. And then, one of those, one of those dodgy coffees. <laughs> yeah, <pretty> much, yeah. <laughs> the, the machine's not too bad at Edge I give them credit; it's not too bad. Um, and then into the gym for a little stretch, like it's just a static stretch. And then I'm, I try and get out quite early, just because like I said I'm, I'm pretty nervous for a game. I'm not a great sitter, sitting and watching, so get out and have another little bowl. Make sure I've got a full run, just to again just get my ends, get the ground, and then it's just keep myself busy until the start of play, really. If it's something I'm not happy with, I'll go back and I'll readdress it. Like if I'm struggling on one end of a run up or I feel I'm not quite hitting the crease, then I'll go back. But generally, I try and get everything done early and feel as comfortable as I possibly can do. And then it's just waiting for the first ball. Uh, I always want to bowl first because, like I said, I'm nervous. If we're batting first, I just say basically pace for changing room or the viewing area until after bat. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's, that's me, really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very similar to Pasty there, aren't you? The, the day before stuff, um, you know, we're very lucky, lucky with the analysis we do. Um, and he's right, you know, it's very rarely anything different at top of off. It, quite a lot of times, the plans you make are probably more important when a bat is in. Like, to start off with, you're always going to hit the top of off, try hit with the pad, try get an LBW, try challenge, you know, off stuff. It's when someone's on 40, 50 runs, how are you going to get them out then, you know, like Pasty said. Do they pull in the air, that sort of thing. But um, the morning of a game, let's say uh, start time's at 11. We will always have team time an hour before, so team time will be 10. Uh, I will be tr- try and have a stretch in the gym with Pasty at about quarter past nine, get nice and loose, um, just like foam roll, just a static stretch, just, just get going. And then I'll try to be out a half an hour before team time, so half nine I'll be out on the ground, getting loose, just obviously starting, starting off. A little run up and then building my way up, and I, I wouldn't class myself as loose until I get off, until I get my off my long run up, and then once I'm off my long run up, I'll make sure I bowl at least an over off my long run up. Like this is in red ball cricket, um, and like Pasty said, if it's a ground I'm not used to, I'll definitely bowl at both ends, just because there's still been little quirks at either end, whether it's wind, whether it's slope, that you just have to get used to. Um, so yeah, it's just specifically for for young bowlers out there, out there who I know have restrictions and. Um, you know they're there to look after you. Your first ball, of, of, I, I would never have your first ball of your full run up being in the game. And I've, I've played with guys in first team and second who've done this. You know, young bowlers who in the warm up ball off five yards and a bowling massive no balls, and then in the game wonder why they can't big bowling big no balls and they haven't bowled off a full run up yet. And it feels horrible type thing. So. In the warm-ups, definitely try to get off your long run-up. And even if it's just six balls off your long run-up, do that. And then once you're off your long run-up, like I say, four-day cricket is quite easy. You know, six balls, six, three to a left-hander, three to a right-hander. What am I going to bowl? A few stock balls, few, few very, um, you might be able to swing or out-swing or whatever it is. Done. Now, in white ball cricket, that all gets a bit more complicated. <laughs> my, my, my theory would be, much like I just said, why would my first Yorker be in the game? Why would I try? What I think I'm going to cover off in the game, I'll try to do a few of in the warm-up, basically. So a warm-up in a T20 could be 
once I've got my long run up, it might be two or three overs really, if I'm honest, because I want to think about stop ball to right hand, stop ball to a left hander, maybe a few slow balls to right and left hander, and then Yorkers to a right hander, Yorkers to a left hander, and then if it's a short boundary, which invariably, invariably always blooming is, because we get shoved on the edge of the square quite a lot. Wide Yorkers to a right hander, wide Yorkers to a left hander. So essentially, just like Pasty's saying, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what am I going to have to bowl in this game? What am I going to have to bowl at this end in this game? And I'll just try and cover that off, really. So if it's a short leg side boundary at edge Baston and I'm bowling at the city end, I'll think, right, I'll bowl, I'll bowl my variations. Now I need to bowl Yorkers at this end. I'm going to be bowling wide Yorkers from this end in this game, so that's what I'm going to practice. And then I might go to the other end and do the opposite. I think it's a big leg side boundary. I'm going to pull straight at Yorkers, and, that, and that'll be it. So yeah, warming up for red ball cricket's a lot easier than white ball cricket because the have got lost a lot less to cover off. But I would be trying in my warm to cover off everything I might do in the game. Okay, so the tactical stuff for a four-day game is kind of planned in almost. You kind of know what you're going to do. You know where you're going to hit. You know where you're trying to target certain batters. And then with the white ball stuff, does it kind of does it kind of evolve as you go, if that makes sense? you evolve as you go through the game? Yeah, um, definitely, because sometimes, uh, so for example, the hybrid pitches we're playing on this year at uh, Edgebaston, um, the more they played on, the more they stuck. So we had to learn, I only played one of the 220s, but the lads had to learn through the games that the pitch was ever-changing, and it was getting, they were sticking in more, cross-team was working better, or um, back of the hands, or Whatever it was, I think they ended up on a lot of cutters, a lot of cross seamers. So I think it's one of those you've got to have really good communication with your teammates. And that's in Red Bull cricket as well. Because in Red Bull, it could be suddenly reversing. So you've just got to get around the message around your teammates. But communication within the team is huge. So the one game I did play, as soon as Brazil bowled his first over, he ran over to me and said, Mate, cross seam sticking in, just stuck it, cross seam back on my card. I didn't do that, I didn't bowl very well. But um, it's clear communication. I knew what I had to try and do. So. But adapt, adapting in T20 and 50 over cricket over death is massive and you've got to rely on your teammates and for, your, for help, what they've seen and also just back your gut. 99% of the time your gut is going to be the right thing because it's telling, there's a reason why it's telling you to do it. It's when you... So, for example, a game I played with um, in Gloucestershire, sorry, in the six of last ball, Craig Miles bowled an unbelievable over. They only did eight or nine off it and he'd taken one for two or one for three of the first five balls. He was clear, he'd known everything. And then he had four members of the squad run up to him before the last ball, get into his head, ten to bowl this, that and everything. And then, to be fair, the last ball he executed what he wanted to do, but it being completely different to the first five balls, and top edge six, they win. I don't blame, think it's great spot on that sort, A, he's executed what he wanted to do, but I think there's so many people around him that sometimes it gets confusing. And I think, his gut was to keep doing what he'd been doing, and if you follow that, it still might be the same result, but you just don't know. So, um, that's a kind of an example I always think of when uh, about following your gut is just you, you, you're likely to be right with what you're thinking. You, you, you've been there before, you've done it before. Okay. Is it as important then? Oh, sorry, I've gone. Oh, we're going to say we do have, we, you know, we've had a brilliant analysis the last few years called Stuart Key, and we do, we do get the put clips or stuff on iPads where it's, it might be we are playing again who might be um, if we'd have been playing against Brezzi back in the day and we'll get a little little bit of gum for a little page on Brezzi saying right this, these are the areas he hits it 
So at the death, Brizzy might create anywhere from long off to beach when leg like side. Just, just stuff like that gives you a little bit of a head start as well. Again, thinking about the guys who might be listening to this, um, you're playing against these players. You know, you might play in the league or playing against age group cricket. You'll have played against them before. You will have a little repertoire of, oh, yeah, last time I played against him, this happened, you know. He honed it to the leg side, so I'm going to bowl gun yorkers at the death to him and he's going to be half hit type of thing. But just like Pasty said, it's all well and good having a plan, but what's in front of you during the game is probably more important because if there's a short leg side boundary, you'd be stupid to, you know, go straight at the stumps there because, you know, it's, it's going to be easy to hit to leg side. So always play what's in front of you. But again, just having a little bit of an idea of what each player does is, is, is no bad thing at all. And whether that's, like Pasty said, ringing someone who's played against them before, speaking to a teammate who's played against them before, or just remembering, like, oh, yeah, last time we played against them, this, this is what happened. That's going to, even even just doing those things, is that's giving you a head start. That's, that's good analysis for me, speaking to a teammate who's played against them before. That's okay. absolutely fine. Okay. So that could be, that would be useful for club cricketers as well, I guess, if their mate from so-and-so cricket club played against that side before, can they help them out? If they're friendly yeah, enough to help them out. <laughs> And we, we we always we always say in team meetings if you if, if you've got something about a member of the opposition and you you don't say it then you're playing for the other team you know if you've, you've got a bit on Adam Lyde at Yorkshire and you think oh I won't say it then you, you're helping them out it, you know you might say one thing where say oh every now and then Lyde pulls in the air and that might just it might equal one wicket in a game but that game that wicket might change the game you know if I win the game you so definitely if, if you've got a teammate who's played against some before or you're a teammate who's played against his team before or this battle before speak it like say it it help your mates out because that, that's that's as good analysis as anything for me okay you know when you watch the test match and you see Nasser Hussain Atherton and whoever picking for example Rory Burns' technique to pieces do you then yeah. does that, any of that sit in your head as you go into play sorry the week after nah no not for me um, just because A, I hate bowling with Rory Burns <laughs> A, he's a very good player and B, his technique just puts me off as a running the ball <laughs> um, but I think once you're actually in the game you've just got to focus on your area and where you're trying to hit if you're thinking about oh, this technique or you might do like you can fall across it then Rory Burns wants you to bowl straight and think you're going to fall across it because you're just going to kick through the leg side you know so uh, I, I get where they come from with the um, t- taking apart someone's technique, but and like we do do it in analysis. Like we say, this person has a tendency to fall over or something. But someone like Rory Burns, who's now playing Test cricket, is what he's got two or three Test hundreds. I think that technique does him all right, to be honest. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think it, it maybe does. I think just just watching him on telly, it probably does give you a head start because, like I'm saying, you know, speak to someone and watch some. Um, speak to a teammate who's played against the player before like if you've watched him all day on the week yeah. before playing a test match then you're sort of going to know when to build him really it might not help you get him out because you might whack him everywhere like I said but just being familiar with someone's technique is, is no bad thing so yeah I, I don't mind watching a bit of test match seeing what this is see if NASA wants to do our, our analysis for us it's fine by me <laughs> come and pick your left handed technique to pieces yeah yeah he would definitely pick my technique to pieces <laughs> usually, definitely um so I just want to talk a little bit about recovery. So is it all ice baths and massage and protein shakes and 
water and feet up, or is it, you know, a bit more, a bit less intense than that? I'll be, I'll be hundred percent honest. I, I, I do do the ice baths, but I'm not entirely convinced. It, I'm not, I'm not sure if it makes a massive amount of difference. Um, for its sake, yeah, fine. You know, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, if you bowl a lot of overs, you're going to be sore the next day. The, the, the couple of biggest things for me are lots of hot water, hydrate, and get a good night's sleep. And then, if I'm honest, the, the day after, you can get a massage, you can stretch all you want, you can, you know, do all the stretching in the gym, do all the massaging. His first ball in that warm up is still going to hurt. And the only thing that gets you loose is bowling, like 100%. Like 100%. So like I said, take your time, have a massage, have a hot shower if you want, you know, get nice and loose. But your first ball, if you bowl 20 overs a day before, that morning's going to hurt. There's no doubt about it. Um, and the only thing that gets you loose is the, the, the routine I said to you earlier, getting out there a half an hour early, starting off a slow run-up, and then slowly but surely building off your, to your long run-up. And within 20 minutes, you'll be off your long run-up and you'll, you'll be okay. But... There's, there's not a stretch I could give you or an ice bath I could give you that says, yeah, you won't be stiff tomorrow. Like, 100% no. The only thing that gets you loose the morning after is pulling. And you know what? There's, a, there's actually a, a bit of sick pleasure in that, if I'm honest, because if you're not in the team or you're not bowling well, you're not going to be stiff, you're not going to be sore. So if you're sore, you bowl a lot of overs. And if you bowl a lot of overs, it probably means the captain's throwing your ball, the ball because you're bowling well. So take a bit of pleasure in that because... There'll be plenty of lads who be dying to be stiff, um, but they're not because you know they've not been picked or whatever. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, um, I've done stuff. Like I've slept in recovery tights. I've gone for a swim at six o'clock in the morning. Nothing helps. You know, until you start bowling and running around, nothing helps. So I couldn't agree with any more of what he's just said. Yeah, but I mean, give, give it time. Give it. You know, make sure if you bowl love overs. You know, you've got a Saturday-Sunday game for your club sides and like that. Get a good night's sleep, drink lots, plenty of water, make sure it hydrate, and then just give yourself a chance on that Sunday. Like, make sure you get there early. And whether you nick the wicket-keeper or just do it in the in the nets or you know, nick someone who's going to take the mid for you, just take a good 20 minutes to get loose. And you, the first few balls will be agony. You'll feel like, how could I possibly get it loose today? It's just not going to happen. But in 20 minutes' time, you'll be off your full run and you'll be you'll be fine. Okay, so then that kind of brings us on nicely to being injured and kind of having to deal with a spell out with injury or like how much does it take out of you mentally and physically as well? Yeah, um, I've had a pretty rough three years of it to be honest. Um, I'm pretty lucky from 2011 to 2017, my first six, seven seasons, I had a stress factor and a couple of niggles here and there but no real apart from a stress factor, not really a big injury. And then 2018, the year I came to Warwickshire, I, I tore my hamstring straight down the middle. Um, then my first year of Warwickshire, it came off the bone. I had to have an operation. So, and then this year, I've struggled a bit with my back. So, um, but mentally, it can be tough. Like, there's no getting around it. You want to be playing cricket, you pay to be playing cricket, and that's your job, and that's what you want to be doing. I was lucky enough in 2018 that, like I said, I was looking at other counties to move to, and I had to move to Warwickshire to really look forward to. So that kind of um, helped me through that one. But then last year, when I was had to have operation and was on crutches for I think eight weeks, it was it was I had some down moments. You know, you, you're going to like um, I think, but accepting them and realizing them is the biggest thing you can do. 
uh, when you are in the down period, I was like for me, I'm very lucky. Me and my wife are very open about that kind of stuff, and we just chatted through it. Or I use Mozzie quite a bit at the ground. Our physio is great, but he's also just a good person to talk to. Um, so he's seen he's seen everything in the game. Um, Been around so, for ages. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty tough, but I think with injuries, the mental side of things, you just got to have someone you trust to talk to. Um, and that's where I said I've been very lucky with people. Um, and then with like getting back from injuries, big thing is don't rush it. I know it's you're desperate to get back out and play, you're desperate to get on with the sport and the game, but um, Paul Farbro said to me, with the hamstring, we'd much rather you miss two more games and then we'll fit the rest of the season. And actually, you're a bigger asset to us for missing a couple games here and then being fit than you are if you come back and then you're blown, you're gone. You know, so I think always just have the thought in your head that could one more week actually really help me here and I'm going to be fit for the rest of the season. Um, everyone's different, everyone mentally is different, everyone physically is different, but I think for the mental side, I think just have someone to talk to, you trust if, you get, if things get on top of you and always look at the bigger picture. If, you're, if you feel like you need to rush back for a game, is that going to hamper the rest of your season or potentially make you miss more cricket because of it? Or whatever sport, you know. No, I, I agree with all that. Um, it's, there's no doubt about getting injured is tough. It's also part of the job. So you, you know, you, you've got to sort of get used to the fact that if you're a fast bowler, you will probably pick up injuries. There's no doubt about it. Um, the, t- the toughest bit for me is always the first few weeks, where you, you know, invariably any injury, the first couple of weeks you just rest, you just like take your time off. And that's always the toughest because you're just literally doing nothing. And, you know, it's a, we've got precarious careers. You know, you only ever sign a couple of years' contracts or something. So all the thoughts about, you know, unless you have a contract or, you know, whatever, how long is this going to last, all, all creep into your head. And almost distracting yourself, getting even in those first few weeks doing stuff away from cricket, whether that's schoolwork, whether that's actual work or, you know, if I was injured, I'd be doing loads of DIY on the house just to try and keep myself, myself occupied. I always find as soon as, you know, Mozzie gives you the green light and says, um, okay, we can start doing some sort of rehab now, straight away you start feeling a lot more useful in that, you know, all right, I can now do an hour a day in the gym and it's getting me close to being fit and, you know, I can be as professional as I can. I mean, without killing yourself, you know, like Pasty said, if, you, if you've torn your hamstring, you shouldn't be going and doing a massive weight session straight away. But as long as you've got a good physio program or you've been sensible, as soon as you can do something that's getting you close to fitness, that definitely helps you helps you out a lot more mentally, I find. Okay. So then, but advice also, to... Also, Go on, I'm sorry. sorry. I was just also to sort of try to find ways where you can be useful. So there'll be plenty of times where, like Pasty said, if you're injured, there might be a team meeting where you can, you know, give a bit on a bat you've played against. Or, and there's no reason you can't do that down at your club or, or, your, or your, with your age group side. Or even if you're injured, why can't you go to nets and, you know, help collect balls and stuff that way I, I always find if I'm injured and I'm just away from the ground it's horrible but if I'm injured and I can still be kind of useful to the ground and you know collect balls like I said and help out in meetings you know that's that helps me a lot yeah. it helps me a lot mentally as well I guess taking the mitt for the other fast bowlers loosening up day two and whatever it is 100% yeah if you're being useful then you, yeah it definitely helps me a lot helps me a lot mentally rather than just wallowing in self pity at home yeah um, so then, I guess, advice to younger players who are either going through an injury or will go through an injury at some point is get it right before 
coming back. So I wanted to talk about opposition, but we've kind of covered um, a little bit I had about the analysis of them. So obviously that was really insightful for 20 club players. And like we've mentioned is get as much information about them as you can, whether it's play cricket stats or, you know, learning from other people. Um, But a couple of questions for you guys now on opposition and grounds and whatnot. They can be quick fire if you want, or you can give all of the reasons and whatnot if you want to, but... Who's the toughest batter, or who's been the toughest batter for you guys to bowl at? Um, he's probably like he's a very good player, and he's probably not someone most people would say. But for me, someone I always got in big battles <coughs> with was Mark Cosgrove. Played for Leicester, played for Morgan, uh, is an Aussie. He was just a batter I never felt like I could get out. Uh, he was aggressive at you as well. Um, he'd come at you, and it was just a great battle to be in. Um, and it's the only, in great respect to Mark, I played against better batters and I bowled against international cricketers. But for some reason, whenever I'm asked about tough cricket, his, his name just pops into my head. And I always enjoyed bowling him because it was a good contest and you knew it was going to be hard but fun because it was, it was always going to be a 10 cricket with him at Did you ever get him out? Eventually. It took me, I reckon, four years to get him out. <laughs> uh, I'd say Sangakara. Because he literally just toyed with you, he just he just messed around with you and toyed with you. I, I was playing a game against him at Edgbaston, and it was just before tea, so he literally just patted back three maidens off me before tea. So Belly was capped at time. I was like, "Oh, you you pulled really well there. Start again after tea." And after tea, he patted back like two more maidens, and then my last two overs, he took me for like twenty in the over. He just running it down a third man, you put a third man in, he'd walk across and flick it through wicket, you put mid wicket out, he'd hit through mid on, just like, and they were all, I promise you, they were the same balls, they were all hitting top cross stump, like, the exact same balls I bowled previously, and all of a sudden he was like, he shut up, shut before tea, and then after tea, he sort of got himself in again, and was like, yeah, okay, and then just started toying with it, and it was just like, I can't bowl at this, like, he's doing what he wants to me, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. feel powerless. Yeah, he just toyed with me, just, like a kitten with a mouse just played around <laughs> with it was ridiculous although I do remember being at Lords for a one day final where you nicked him off oh, I'm glad I came on now <laughs> I remember that sitting below, below the scoreboard looking on so yeah, that wasn't set up guys <laughs> I didn't do my research on that one <laughs> um, so next question would be best pitch slash ground that you've ever bowled at now we're going to exclude Edgebaston because we all know that that's number one. But we'll go the next best after that. If I'm going ground, the best ground I've played at is Lords, just because it's Lords. It's home cricket. It's an amazing place to play, and you feel privileged to get to play there. Um, I've, I've only ever really played on quite spicy pitches there, and I've only played one day cricket there, so 
Um, I'd say probably the best is is not the best pitch in the country, but the best pitch I enjoy playing on is Cheltenham College, Gloucestershire's outground. There's pace and balance in for bowlers. You get your runs if you bat well on it, and it's I very rarely play in a bad game of cricket there. They're nearly always results, and they're nearly always going down to the end of day four, and that's what you want from a pitch. So yeah, it's not like. As much as I love Cheltenham, I know it's not the best pitch from the ground country, but it's a pitch that I've always had pretty really good games on. Like mm-hmm. when we've won, lost, they've always been good games of cricket, and that's what you want at the end of the day. So ground has got to be Lords because it's Lords, and pitch, yeah, for me it's Cheltenham just because, like I said, you always get a great game there. Yeah, but best ground, Lords has to be up there. I mean, I would have said Edgy, but you've, you've taken that. Lords and Copley, my home club, Copley, 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 <laughs> beautiful ground. And like Pasty said, the best the best pitches are always the one where it's an even contest. You know, you don't you don't want a pitch where it's just easy to get five hundred, and also don't want a pitch where it's an absolute green mamba, and you know it's, you can't get one twenty. So if it's an even contest, you know two fifty plays three hundred type thing, great games of cricket. We've had a few a few of them last year. Always out grounds, really. We've had a few great games at out grounds, York, um, Colwyn Bay, those sort of games, those sort of games were played. But yeah, you just want an even contest between bat and ball. If it's too flat, it's rubbish. If it's too green, it's rubbish as well. So I, I, I honestly don't mind. The pitches can change anywhere, but you just want, you want it to be an even, even contest. Okay. Um, two more. So the next one is what's the best thing about being a bowler? Putting your feet up after you bowl a team after win. <laughs> <laughs> There's no feeling like it. It's like, it's, like, it's just a team effort. There's... Three, four of you who do the bulk of the bowling, like others will do, but you, you as your bowling cartel, bowling group, whatever you want to call them, you've done the hard yards. Like you might have bowled forty sets in a game, and you win him with an hour to go, and you you spent. But it's the feeling of relief that you've done it, the, the just the pleasure that you've won the game, and like just walking up the pitch and you've put the hard yards in to win. Like especially on like a good cricket pitch like, like we just said like that's, that's even it goes down to the end of day four like sometimes although you love to win if you just rock and roll a team twice in the green team for 150 it's not the same satisfaction as getting deep into day four and forcing the result so yeah it's like any like day, end of day four you're walking off you've just bowled a team out that is the best part about being a bowler that walking off with your mates you've just won a game you could take no wickets and you're still going to feel just as good as if you take five because that's, that's what you play for that feeling of Doing the hard yards to get the win. Yeah, love that. They're a beer on the bound, a beer on the outfield after a win when you pull them out, like unbelievable, absolutely great feeling. So yeah, I'd agree with that. Also, like if you if you sort of being more, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's another way of looking at it. just the fact that you can always keep coming back. You know, a batter has a bad day, um, nicks off, he's gone, but the fact that you can board a crap first over. You just keep going back. You can keep going back. It's very easy with bowling to see effort. If, you, if you're jogging in and not trying, it's very obvious. But people can see you trying at bowling. People can see like, oh gosh, he's he's bowled 20 overs today and he's still charging. And you can see effort. It's tough with that. You can't see you can't see someone trying really hard at batting, can you? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't see them trying. Even if they're trying in training and hitting loads of ball, you know, the fans don't see that. So you you can show effort and you can you can show you putting in the hard yards really easy and you can keep going back if you've got if you've had a bad day you can just keep going back and no one changed it all off so but I'd agree with Pasta feet up on the last day when you've won a game is an absolutely brilliant feeling excellent and then final one is a bit more 
kind of aimed at advice. So what advice would you give to young fast bowlers who have just broken into the adult teams at the clubs at 14, 15 and listening to this thinking, I'd love to do that? Uh, mainly enjoy it. Don't put too much pressure on yourself because at the end of the day, you've got to enjoy it. If you're going out there and you're putting too much pressure on yourself, you get hit before you're kicking the turf and you're getting wound up yourself, then it's only going to go one way. So mainly enjoy what you're doing. Um, at 14, 15, don't over bowl. Like, your body's still growing, you're still learning your body. Um, I'm sure there's still restrictions in place, so there's restrictions there for a reason. Um, and then also learn from the adults you're playing with. If you've just broken into adult cricket, there's more than likely going to be someone who's been playing adult cricket there for 20, 30 years, who's like a statesman of a club. It's probably going to be someone who's been through a county system and has played good standard cricket. So ask questions and learn from the adults there, because that's asking questions is one of the best ways to learn and get better. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd agree with all that. I mean, I just say, I enjoy it, but don't get too high, don't get too low. You're going to get have good days, you're going to have bad days. And we're, we're to all boys now, hopefully our good and bad days are, are two bigger spikes. Um, as a young cricketer, you're going to have big spikes. You're going to have a day where you feel like a legend and get six foot, and the day after you might not be able to hit the cut strip. Just take the rough of the smith, just don't get too low. Um, if you've not bowled bad well one day, it's fine. You'll, you'll figure it out the day after. Equally, if you've got a, a five foot, don't think you're all of a sudden Jimmy Anderson. You just, just stay pretty level. One of the, the best cricketers I've ever played with for this was, uh, to fair works, he's pretty good, but William Porterfield, the Irish captain, was an absolute genius. He could have got a hundred, and you're like, "Purdy, that's awesome." He's like, "Thanks, mate." And then he gets the first ball, duck, absolute stinking decision. Purdy, that was a terrible decision. Sorry, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. He was just absolutely dead level, like never changed whatsoever. Um, I think that's probably a bit superhuman. Human. I don't think I could ever quite be like that. But yeah, just don't don't get too high, don't get too low. It's, you're gonna have ups and downs. Um, and like Pat said, just enjoy it. It's a great game. It's to be a fast bowler is. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant living. It's a brilliant thing to just just do. You know, the feeling of getting a wicket and, like Pat said, winning a game of cricket team is an unbelievable feeling. So, just enjoy it. It's it's an exciting thing to do, and and, and just love it. Brilliant. Some good advice. Uh, and that just about wraps us up. I think we're forty-five minutes or something, maybe a little bit longer. But that was really really insightful, and hopefully everybody listening has got some really good information that they can take back to to clubs, to players, to coaches, to whoever. Um, so thank you very much for joining us, gents. It's been really, really good. Uh, and everybody else, have a great couple of weeks in lockdown. Keep yourselves up. Uh, and hopefully we look forward to some cricket into 2021.